way that I like to start this is by asking my guest to say their full name. Go ahead. Uh, are we doing are we doing like actual first names or are we doing like personas? Is it gonna be David Strong or David Masuda? Why don't you explain what that means? Uh it's just uh it's like a stage name. I've probably told you a thousand times, but it's a stage name, really. So it's kind of a uh, a mask that you put on when you're performing. And David Strong is mine. Just kind of was a nickname that someone gave me a long time ago, and it kind of stuck. And a lot of friends started calling me that, and it works. Got it, David Strong. And now, what about your birth name? So my birth name is David Masuda. You are missing a name. <laughs> all right, all right, all right. Full name is David Keikoa Masuda. I love it. <laughs> <sighs> Okay, so let's break down David Kekoa Masuda. Start from the top. Yes, this is part of the podcast. (laughs) All right, all right. Break down David Kekoa Masuda. So each part of my name. Uh, The first name is David. I think my dad picked it, and it's biblical, David and Goliath. Um, My dad's very religious. Um, I just take it to mean that he wanted me to succeed in the face of a huge gigantic problem and i have tons of those in my life so that's very accurate okay um, Koa is a hawaiian name i'm not one drop of ethnic hawaiian at all so i don't feel a whole lot of connection to it in all honesty but Koa generally means brave but it can also be interpreted in the language as strong and that's kind of where the stage name came from david strong mm-hmm. and I had the option to go with David Strong or Dave the Brave, and um, I, I, I went with the former, you know, because if you Google Dave the Brave, you'll find a children's book about a dolphin named Dave. I, I didn't want to be confused with that. No way! Is that real? That's true. That's 100% true. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited. I have to look that up. I'm going to do it. I'm going to look it up. Just not right now. Okay, so... And, and you and said... while you're looking that up, uh, last name is Masuda. Uh, it's a Japanese name, and it's not a royalty name. A lot of the royalty names involve lots of K's, lots of Z's, and lots of I's. But Masuda is kind of like a, a like a commoner name, like a layman name, and it's generally kind of even the meaning of the name kind of means um, feel like rice fields, like really in its crudest form. So it's kind of kind of proud of it a little bit. Oh, you you were out there in them fields. Oh my goodness, our ancestors were both in fields. <laughs> well, um, I think that's for another podcast. <laughs> Slightly different situation. Another <laughs> podcast called A New Perspective. You know, I have six podcasts, dude. Six. Honest, who, who is this person? Anyway, we'll talk about promoting my podcast later. So talk to me about the first place that you lived. So, um... Born and raised in Waianae, um, I lived up this place called Waianae Valley. Um, so, so like, <laughs> like where you were saying before, how Hawaii is like the most isolated place on the globe. Waianae is like the most isolated town on Oahu, and Waianae Valley is the most isolated part of Waianae. So oh I was God. really like ripply like boxed in wow. to my surroundings. Um, wow. All the way up in the valley, it's like farmland, and you see these beautiful mountains, and from my house, you still had a view of the ocean, but there's really nothing around you. Like, my my parents had enough property. Um, the house that we lived in, there's enough property around us that uh, me and my friends could play in a band, and we could make a lot of noise, and we wouldn't really bother the neighbors. We never had the cops called on us, so 
Um, and that's something that my dad insisted on having a lot of like personal space, a lot of freedom. Never mind that he didn't like people, but he really did have the option to, you know, to, to make noise and do what he wanted without other people's interference. And so I had that kind of as an up- upbringing. Um, had, you know, a neighbor friends, but other than that, didn't really talk to anybody else in the neighborhood. I don't know if you can even call it a neighborhood, you know, because you're so far <laughs> no. away from people. That was definitely not a neighborhood. It was like, we have a road that's going all the way up this mountain, and if you would like to leave this road to your right or your left, there are people who inhabit space out there. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's more like what it was. And it's like, because I mean, like, who did you, you, I mean, you had like, neighbors but they lived away like you had to make it a point it wasn't just like you walked you know outside of your yard and you saw your neighbor washing their car you know you had to make it a point to see one another yeah it's really like that so (laughs) that's the that's the geographical upbringing that i was in interesting did you ever like did you did you enjoy that like i don't your dad like made a point for that did you enjoy that would you have rather you know been in like a cul-de-sac I think in my, I think I did kind of have that that kind of wistful, lonely feeling, like like in the back of of everything. I kind of did hope that I had more people around. In fact, I wish I kind of had a bigger family too, like more more siblings. And I was lucky enough to have one set of grandparents living with us, so that was that's something I'm really grateful for. But I think I do wish that I was around more people when I was growing up might make me a little less of a sociopath but um, do not confess here this is audio recorded <laughs> <laughs> i mean do what you want to do man do what you want to do interesting um, so no I, I like i think it was good in in the sense that i wanted to play really loud music and have friends over and play music and so that was very beneficial so your friends that you had over and stuff like these were obviously like not neighbors but people who you met in like school yeah yeah all people from school that had an interest in music or sometimes we just came over to play video games or play in the backyard things like that okay what was what was school like for you school was not that bad in retrospect you know <laughs> in retrospect but not in like yeah. when you were I mean, in it <laughs> Yeah, when you're when you're like, you know, when you're in the moment, you know, when you're a freshman, you're like, God, it sucks here. But, you know, after 20 years of working and punching in and dealing with customers, you know, you're like, oh, I kind of miss school, you know, (laughs) but that's how everyone grows up, you know. So really, school wasn't all that bad. I wasn't picked on a lot. There's a couple of times in intermediate that were kind of shitty, but I wasn't picked on. I did well in classes. I was generally an A student. Um, I didn't have a big circle of friends and I still don't. And I think I'm okay with that. Um, I hardly keep in touch with anyone from high school. There's a couple of people that I've made it a point to stay in touch with, uh, like you. And, uh, you remember our friend Shane, I'm going to his wedding in a couple of months. Oh my goodness. Shane's getting married. Yep. Where, Where he lives up in the mainland now, right? Yeah. He lives in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. What the fuck is in Sioux Falls, South Dakota. I need to call his ass. He needs to be on this podcast. Shit. (laughs) Yeah, you could probably call him. Uh, I should. I'd love to talk to him. Oh my gosh. Yes, Shane. Okay, you're going to South Dakota? Yeah, I'm going in October. Okay, are you going to stop by, I don't know, maybe take a fucking layover in LA and see me? Mm, 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's go ahead and start talking about those people you still stay in contact with, the ones you actually like. <laughs> Don't put me on blast. <laughs> I talked to my, my mainland friends about my experience in high school and how it was 50-50. It was me either being completely, like, isolated and emerged in SP and there and focused and creating and, you know, like, being this little mini adult in high school and how cool that was. And then also seeing people get the literal actual shit beaten out of them at any point in time during the day. Maybe it's Tuesday at noon walking from second period to third period. And honestly, it hasn't been until um, until I started talking to people about it like openly that I realized that's not everyone's experience but it was definitely my experience going to school and being a part of that culture did that ever bother you or did you ever pay attention to that at all not really because that was just kind of something that 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 we grew up with because i mean we went to the same school and i have the same upbringing that that you have well not upbringing but maybe the same perception of that school because you're right every week there'd be a fight um and it wasn't just limited to the two people fighting. They would bring all of their friends and their family. And when I say family, I don't mean their cousins that were in the same class. I mean their fucking parents would drive to the school to fight the other person's parents in the parking lot. Yes! So. Damn it! That's crazy! I'm like, I'm like, yo, like, I, yes, that's a legit... I, I can't explain to you how validating it is hearing someone else say that because like this is like some of the things I have to bring up to my therapist and I'm just like but that was normal like that was normal like it was a part of what was I don't know like just it was like like you said like it's not something that I think people talk about a lot when they talk about Hawaii but I think it's definitely something that is ingrained into our culture because yeah, that was Waianae, but it was also a bunch of other schools, too. Did you ever go to any of those freaking water park parties at night? No. Oh. No. Couldn't get in. What do you mean, couldn't get in? <laughs> Amber, did you ever go to one of those water park parties under the age of 18? Yes. Okay, see, I couldn't get in because I followed the rules. That'd be something you need to tell your followers. No, it's not. No, they used to have, like, they used to have this... <laughs> Like, ones specifically for, like, teenagers and stuff. Uh, no. You know why I never went to those? It's because the year that we were going to go, the year that we started going, I think it's, like, freshman year. No. No, it wasn't freshman year. I forget. Anyway, it was a year of school where where my class was supposed to go. But what happened the previous year is that someone didn't follow the rules and drowned at the water park and so mm-hmm. they banned it so that's why i never had that experience okay well you know what the, the before the year the drowning like they finally like took care of it like the year before that there was massive riots like and i was there for it and it was like my first time being involved in something that big and i thought it was so ridiculous because you know you know what happens right when it's like okay so i'm from Makaha. And you're from Nanakuli, so we got beef. But if we're in Kapule and somebody from Mililani is coming at me, oh, we all from Wainai, dog. Like, hold on. And that's what happened that night at the water park. It was like, 
everybody from the west side was just like gotta defend their turf and then people came in from the east side and like oh yeah what and put that and then of course like Kapolea beach they really it was really actually on their turf technically but they don't really have there wasn't really many representatives like did Kapolea even have a high school like when we were in high school i don't remember <laughs> yeah they had a high school but i mean that whole mentality i i I mean, I can back you up on that claim. That is really what the mentality was down there. But it's absolutely ludicrous, and I I just can't wrap my head around the fact that people behave that way. But that is how it is, and there's probably some rehabilitation that can happen. I hope so. Like, and I, but I think it, it would come from being, like, aware that it's a thing and that it's something that needs to be, like, talked about. Like, I remember, like, my first my first premiere, you know, Brittany and I co-produced um, Sunset on the Beach with Amanda. Oh, my gosh, so long ago. But the reason why we got commissioned to do it in the first place is because we were doing um, Sunset on the Beach stuff and for Valley of the Rainbows, but there were so many fights that happened. <laughs> At night, as soon as they turn the lights off and turn the movie on, there would be so many fights. Like, people were waiting for that moment for the lights to go off so that they could beef. And like you said, it wasn't just one or two people in a fist fight. It was entire freaking family lineages, ancestors, unborn and all, getting involved in some shit. And they had us make this sort of, like, community thing where we made it a point to go all the way from Makaha straight through Nanakuli, showcasing all of the high schools, all of the elementary schools, all of the, the middle schools, and r- really different people from different coasts and different positions to show that we're all one, you know? And I remember it premiered, and for the first night ever, there was no fighting. And it was like, wow. And that was my first experience of recognizing that uh, media was incredibly powerful and that I had the ability to create something that would change the way hundreds or thousands of people reacted. Uh, That was very powerful for me. But then of course, (laughs) the next night, more people showed up to watch it and then later there were fights. (laughs) So it's pretty, um, I think it's pretty deeply rooted and ingrained. But you never got, like, involved in any of that stuff. Like, you never got into a fight. No. 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 Neither did I. It wasn't my thing. I've, I've witnessed many. How many fights do you think you've seen in your life, like, break out? Oh, man. How many ants do you think you've stepped on? It's, <laughs> it's an impossible question, you know? <laughs> I mean, especially because of your time, like, fucking, like, when you were... Okay, here we go. Let's fucking talk about it. Let's talk about the time when you were a rock star. Are we ready? Are we ready? Alrighty. I have been through several different evolutions of David. There was David that I met, the David that didn't like his middle name, Dave, Emo David, which we will kindly skip over because I care about you. But he was there. That was a real thing. You had a whole separate page for that account. Like you were on the social media game before we even knew what was happening, brother. You know, on a side note, you should Google emo kids before and after and see what they look like 20 years later. It's it's really something to see. Oh, oh my goodness. Like watching a caterpillar turn into a butterfly, but like the wrong way. <laughs> what? 
All right, you know what? I'm going to look into that. And if I forget, I need you to text me and remind me because it does sound like good use of my time. So let's talk about David Strong and let's talk about you. You mentioned a little bit earlier that you had friends come over and that they you would play music together. So talk to me about the the bands that you have been in and your sort of experience and perception of the Hawaii music scene. Okay. So there's there's two points on that is that one the first music scene I was involved in was very niche and uh, limited music scene, which is like the the hard rock, the heavy metal, the hardcore, that sort of music scene. It does exist in Hawaii, but it is very small. Um, as my music career progressed, I got into reggae music and island music, which is definitely like the big player here in Hawaii. And those, they're, they can be considered completely different worlds and also completely different careers. Um, when I had friends over in high school, we were all into like punk rock and hard rock and a little bit of heavy metal. So people would come over and we just bang out on the drums and be really horrible at our instruments. I remember um, Dave Grohl, the drummer for Nirvana and eventually the singer for Foo Fighters, said the best way to play music is just grab an instrument and just suck and just suck and suck and suck for a while and then all of a sudden you're Nirvana. <laughs> we, uh, obviously we never made it to the Nirvana phase, but um, we did have a lot of fun. Uh, but at one point I realized that I didn't want it to be just fun. I wanted it to be professional. And the people that I had come over, I realized I was kind of like grabbing them by the ears to come over and play when really they just wanted to, to just be distracted and play video games and run around outside. So I still have them as friends, but I started moving away from playing music with them and got into other groups. And by then I was invited to, um, to play in an already established group. Uh, it was called a deafening silence. And we used to play like, you know, hard rock emo music. And that's kind of where the persona started coming from too, that, that you were referring to earlier. Um, it was good because that was my first experience getting to play shows. I had like the huge big X's on my first show. On my at my first show, I had the huge big X's on my hand saying that I could not drink, I could not smoke, I had to leave the club after the show. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, I, I mean, that's that was a great, you know, foot in the door, getting into playing music, learning what it's like to deal with promoters, to deal with sound men, to deal with audience and ticket sales. And, um Hmm. And there were several other bands that I got to play in. One of the most notable ones was a metal band that I played with for about eight years uh, before and after graduation. Um, it was a great band. I poured a lot of heart and soul into it, and we, we did reach you know a modicum of success. And um, one day I just left it because I realized that I couldn't work with the people, um, the people in the band. So rather than just make a big stink about it, I just decided to leave. Hmm. Um, pursue other things i mean eight years that is you left a relationship yeah pretty much yeah what was that hard for you it was extremely hard it was extremely hard because i mean you can relate on a on a performer level like everything that you wrote everything that you took the time to think about to find the right words to explain what you were thinking put them down and also sync them up to music right everything not yours anymore you know yeah like it it really it really did feel like i was like wasting a whole lot of time and giving up a piece of myself so it was really difficult um 
but it, it really was the better decision because that's because you can only it, when you're in a band you're in a band it's not just you it's multiple people and if you can't get along with one part of the band the band's not going to succeed it's not like you can just keep hammering the thing on and not work together you just right. got to let it go sometimes right yeah well after you left this group did you immediately go into another group or did you take a break how did you transition back from that <laughs> metal music or more hard there actually there actually was no transition i mean it might have been a different genre but i never stopped playing i'd actually joined um my first reggae band during my last year of the metal band so i was doing both at the same time actually so there was no break there was no transition it was me playing keyboards in a reggae band one night and screaming death metal vocals the next night wow Wow. Yeah, and to me that's natural. There was no there was no need for me to take a break and and soul search and find myself or anything like that. It's just like, okay, if I'm not going to play metal, I'm going to play reggae, you know? There's there's no second thought. There's no like pause in that thinking. So, after I left the the metal band, I could devote a lot more time to the reggae band and this is where my musical eyes started opening because I got to see like because there's maybe like four clubs in Hawaii that will let you play metal. In Hawaii, there's a billion bars. There's a billion bars that will let you play reggae music. There's tons of like huge stages that do big musical festivals. And there's also tons of individuals who will hire a reggae band for a graduation party, for a first birthday party, for it's a Thursday party, you know? So, <laughs> yeah. So the, the opportunities for you. So you got more experience in this group. And more pay. I got paid 100% more in this reggae band. Didn't make a dime from playing heavy metal. But I got paid so much more playing in a reggae band. Wow. All right. So is this... So how much of your life now is is surrounded with music? Uh, that's a hard question. Uh, so I'm from a Japanese family, which means I was forced to play piano when I was a little kid. So... Um, whether or not I retain any of that is debatable, but um, that was a good, you know, first years of my life. And then I started playing guitar and then getting into like this, this punk, hard rock, metal, and then reggae evolution. I'm going to say that it's, I don't know, two thirds of my life. I'm going to say maybe like 15 years. Yeah. So you've been at this point with music longer than you've been without it. It's a part of you. Yeah, pretty much. That's really interesting. I always say that music is, and I mean, not even just music, but creation and storytelling and, you know, the entertainment aspect of it is so rooted in Hawaiian culture. And I feel like, you know, the fallout of that was captured by people, even if it's not in, um, in such a specific or traditional way, like, you know, like, I think when people think about Hawaii, they think about, you know, dancing hula. And actually, they think about Tahitian, which is not from Hawaii. Technically, it is from Tahiti. <laughs> uh, Polynesian Cultural Center. Educate yourself. Don't just get drunk and watch the show. Thank you. Um, but, you know, like, I do theater, you know, and, and you did metal. But even so, I think it's because we were nurtured in an environment that was so very supportive of artistic endeavors like no, it's tr yeah if there wasn't the support we wouldn't have been able to get into it right 
And you, I mean, a billion bars. I mean, <laughs> and it must have been like very exciting for you to be like, go from this this guy that's like, oh, I think I want to take this seriously. And your friends were like, now nah, we just want to play around and you turn this into your career. Do you see music and playing music or performing live as something that you always want to do? Um, I don't know if I'm always going to want to do it, but I don't feel like I have a choice in whether or not I do it. Do you know what I mean? It's one of those things where it's one of those things where when I hear a song, whether I like it or not, I'm still going to tap my foot. And I don't think I'm ever not going to play. I don't think I'm ever not going to perform. I think the only difference is whether or not I'm doing it professionally or amateurly and whether or not it's five people or 500 people. Mm -hmm. Wow. Now, if you are in Hawaii, so say the five, five people or 500 people, that could be 500 people to 500,000 people. You know, do you ever feel that your stages are limited because you're literally on an island in the middle of the ocean? Absolutely. Absolutely. You hear all these stories about, and you you even see it dramatized in TV and movies about, like, maybe, like, a group of young girls that are so in love with a band that they'll, they'll go on a road trip to go see this band or go fly you know, somewhere to go see this band. That doesn't happen in Hawaii. It's, we're, we're so isolated that you're kind of left to your own devices, you know? And even then, when, when I was playing in the metal scene, I was wondering, why aren't we opening for all of these bands, you know? And it's because bands don't come here that often, you know? They only come here if they're making a stop between Japan and the West Coast. <laughs> and so if you're lucky, you get to see this band play. Yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not. A, it's a vacation destination. It's not a performance destination. Not really. So, yeah, you're you're going to be limited to your audience size. You know, you you'll have a very dedicated audience base when you come here. A lot of the artists that come here say, "Wow, we don't we don't normally get this much love." But I think that maybe that's because of the the supply and demand. You don't get a whole lot of it here. So I think the Hawaiian people here maybe appreciate it a little bit more. Right. But you are limited to the amount of people that can show up in one place. Right. But you specifically, you know, produce a type of music that, like you said, is so easily consumed by the people now. You know, do you feel like maybe when you were in a more alternative heavy metal band that in order to grow you would have had to go to the mainland versus now that you are in a genre that is widely accepted that you might be able to achieve, you know, measurable amounts of success that you appreciate but still get to be at home. Do you think that I, affected it? Um, I, I kind of have a different opinion than everyone um, when it comes to that because a lot of people have told me and I, I think even you have told me that the next step is to go to the mainland to go to a larger area with more connections and more resources and there is a certain degree of truth in that but I also know of success stories of people who are just writing music at home just for the fun of it and they put it on the internet and all of a sudden the entire world can see your music and the right tune the right person at the right time can blow up and become this viral thing on accident. So imagine what could happen if you act intentionally put yourself out there from the internet, regardless of your geographical location. That is because true. Because to say to say that I will never reach a certain level in Hawaii because I'm in Hawaii is telling people in the Middle East or in 
urban Africa that they have zero chance of getting anywhere because they don't have the resources. You know, I'm far from L.A. Imagine how those people feel. Mm. They should be able to reach those levels of success just off of Internet exposure alone. Right. Yeah. No, absolutely. I agree. I think that that the Internet has I think about this all the time with myself is because I came out to L.A., but I came out to L.A. and I spend <laughs> primarily, I want to say most of my time, in my house. And when I was live streaming full time, I would be all over the world from wherever I was. So if I was in California, you know, whether I was in L.A., San Francisco, Sacramento, or if I went back home to Hawaii, or if I was traveling and in New York, I could live stream and connect with anyone across the world. So it is true, the internet has been giving us this access and we've been really starting to utilize it and become a global community. And I think it's so important what you said. I love that and I am gonna add that into my repertoire, into my programming to be like, it doesn't really matter where you are, it matters like what you're doing. And I think that what I've seen you do is you've never stopped. You've never stopped. And like you said, I'm like, I thought there was at least a transition and the time you're going to mourn. Like, nope. You know? And I'm like, damn, that's right. And that's so crazy. Be- doing Screamo one night, leading, going in hard, yelling, jumping off the stage to playing keys and like at somebody's like first birthday luau. What a crazy like back and forth experience. Yeah. Really is, <laughs> and people ask me about that change all the time. They're like, "Does it really? Is it really weird coming from heavy metal and going into reggae?" And from I, no, it's really not. It's it's whether or not you love performing, or if you just love one particular genre of music. Mm, so you love performing. Yeah, pretty much. I'm kind of like you know, <laughs> you can personally relate to this because I can. I'm kind of kicking myself now because for years and years and years I refused to listen to musicals i refused to watch musicals and i was just so resistant i don't know what it was in my head and then i finally watched one rent and i fucking love it <laughs> and i fucking love it and now i'm kicking myself because i'm like god damn i could have got into this earlier with amber you know right right but you know it, it's it's the love of performing right it's love of performing and music acting streaming like what you do being on stage it's all generally the same thing and you either love that or you love one specific part of it (sighs) and you're not going to survive if you just love that one specific part if you're if you're inflexible Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. true so true and i think that that because we have that like oh i love doing this podcast and i love and i'm going to say it as it happens because i think it's so important to be true in your moment the more and more of these I do, the more conversations I have with people, the more I'm brought back to moments in my life and my childhood which bring me joy or trigger true moments. And and it, it really makes sense. Like you said, like the, people will hire a reggae band, you know, to play these big shows or go to, for Thursday or, you know, first luau because there was always people performing around. And I think that love of performance comes from yeah, we're going to go to a party and someone's going to be playing music and we're going to Connie Capilla and we're going to be over here and we're going to be meeting up doing this. And like, we're, it's like, it doesn't, it was always a part of every day, I think is what I'm trying to say. And so for those of us who have taken to making this more than just a casual occurrence or a song in the hallway during school or backyard jam session, which 
first, holy moly, we got to talk about backyard jam sessions. We have this sort of additional support of understanding that the people that where we came from and like you said, people show out for shows. I do think that it is absolutely has to do with being, you know, not really spoiled where it's like ludicrous is coming i'm going i don't care how much tickets is i don't know when i'm ever gonna have the opportunity to see him again i am going um but i also think it's because we were born and raised with it being such a part of our everyday lives like i don't think anyone in the mainland you know just had a guy playing music in the back of the classroom in english class and that definitely happened to me (laughs) gosh so with the music and your music, so your music outside of Backward Shaka, um, what does that look like? Are you making that? Do you have plans for that? Do you ever see yourself in like a solo venture or are you more like a group person? Well, I mean, I do love playing in bands and it is really fun to, to talk with people and like bounce ideas off of each other and see what happens but it is also kind of like really inefficient because it requires you to wait on the response of someone else you know like when you're waiting for an email from someone just to get one task done it's it's frustrating sometimes so um that's kind of where the 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 music that i make outside of my band uh spawned from i was just kind of you know, bored. I love the band. I love playing music, but I also wanted to play something else, and I didn't want to wait on other people. So, you know, I don't need. I don't know if you can even like put a genre on the stuff that I make because it's just so all over the place. And you know, I intentionally go in without a direction. A lot of people can criticize that and say, "How the hell are you going to go anywhere without any direction?" I'm just like, I don't know. Let's <laughs> see what happens. So. And I mean, you've heard some of the music that I wrote. It's not complete yet, but you kind of have an idea of what it sounds like. Uh-huh. And it, it really had no preconceived notions, you know? And I think maybe that makes it a little more honest because mm. I am not writing it for the intent of getting famous. I'm not writing it for the intent of making a bunch of money. I'm just writing it because because I have this, like, write-o-meter in my body that is, like, tapping out it really needs to go somewhere so i have to write music and get it out before i explode (laughs) well i have heard it and i agree and can vouch for the fact that i have no idea what it is but it feels good i mean let's clarify for the people listening it's not like you're listening to weird al yankovic or anything (laughs) like out of the blue like that no listenable it's a fucking bop but absolutely weird (laughs) but it's not i think it's gonna be i mean i think it's gonna be pop because pop is popular and something that can resonate with people and i think that you know going in without a direction you know like you said people can criticize but i also think people can relate to me i i I think especially you know with the world that we're coming from being so rigid and to be frank so full of shit that listening to an experience that sounds truthful is really enjoyable and refreshing so put that shit out david <laughs> working on it working on it <laughs> who are some of the like artists that you've worked with out in hawaii that you have enjoyed experiences with who you say it's like a very supportive community are there other groups that you've met through backward shaka or elsewhere that you enjoy that you kind of want to give a shout um, I mean, there's, there's not a lot of people that I talk with personally. The lead singer does most of the networking, but a lot of the um, 
like the great bands that we've played shows with were um, guys like the Jimmy Weeks Project. They're another local band like us, and they're they've been around a little bit longer than us, so they have more clout. But they're always fun guys to play a show with. Um, we've played shows with Penny Dean, who was from Natural Vibrations, or um, well well known local reggae band, and they're they're really great guys. And and I think Penny and like just very much lives the 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 aloha attitude mm. which is which is i mean you know this but for the people who don't know it's kind of like the the embodiment of the aloha spirit of of what it means to to accept your neighbor and to love them and care about them even if you don't know them and to to be nothing but a positive force in this person's life and that's really what he and his band penny are are all about and we really appreciate them for all the support that you've shown us that's awesome that's so great so i guess we should also talk about backward shaka a little bit we haven't even done that i'm like you know <laughs> that's the one that you're you're in so talk to us talk to us a little bit about backward shaka what you guys doing what you guys got going on Okay, so Backward Shaka is the name of the group that I play with. Don't ask me where the name came from. It was already named that when I joined. Mm-hmm. Um, it's probably something very crude and vulgar, but mm-hmm. we're, um, uh, we're we're just <laughs> we're a bunch of guys that like play play reggae because because that's what gets the shows. But we all come from kind of the same place. Like the guys that I play with. They love like System of a Down and POD and like all these hard rock bands. And I'm like, holy shit, why are we playing reggae? And they're like, because it pays the bills. So, <laughs> <laughs> so that's what we've been playing. And, and it's really fun um, just like being the underdog for a while and like finally coming out to where people know us. Um, you know what's funny is I was having this conversation with the lead singer. It was like all the songs that we put like blood sweat and soul into the ones that we slave over to be this artistic expression of ourselves we'll put it out it'll play on spotify and be like oh yeah okay people you know we get it we get it you know like this is cool and then when we put out like a half-assed song that we're like drunk like 99 percent of the time making <laughs> that becomes the bop that's the one that gets like a thousand plays <laughs> our, our, we have a song called ride with me that has like 10 times as many plays on spotify and we're just like why look. And then at the same time we're like don't question it just fucking play it that's the winner hey i mean look it is what it is you know that's very similar to how some of my friends up here they make like a viral video and they're like this isn't even what i want to do but it's like hey you got that entry point you better go and that's true hey that's right true. you got one you got one I think that and, uh, I'd uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't self plug for us. We have a new single on Spotify called Pretty Girl. Just look up Backward Shaka. It'll probably be the first thing that pops up. Ooh, okay. Well, let's listen to that together um, after we wrap up the podcast, which we should probably do. So, because I could talk to you for days. For we've obviously zoomed way way in on the music scene and your particular experience with it, which I think is just so fascinating, especially the heavy metal reggae mix so good i want to write a short about that where you got to do like one show you know you double book and you got to be like both at the same time or something we'll, we'll plan that later but to wrap up this podcast um i think a lot of one of the major reasons why i wanted to do this is because whenever i tell people I'm from Hawaii, you know, they're like, oh my God, what's it like to be like from Hawaii? Wow, do you go surfing? Do you, you know, all the typical, you know, things that you 
you get from people and and rather than just being like upset or like have to lie or keep a good face or whatever or say what I feel like I'm supposed to say I wanted to provide this podcast just to be like yo if you really want to know like listen to this these are real stories and um we got some really cool stories from you today so thanks for that um in summary I want to know what your view on privilege is and I want to know if you feel like you have paradise privilege. Um, so I, I I knew about this question when um, before you asked me. Uh-huh. Uh, in general, I feel privileged to live. Period. Um, like <laughs> like there's a billion other potential people that could have lived besides me but i'm here somehow in the universe and i'm very grateful for that the fact that i was born on a speck of land in the middle of the pacific ocean um i mean the most the least i can do is be grateful for being here enjoy it enjoy what it has to offer um i can reconcile whatever differences i have with it and just the best thing I can do is just compare it to other places, travel the world, compare it, find out what makes them similar, what makes them different, and understand the differences, hopefully, because the culture here is going to be completely different from some other culture in Europe and some other culture in the Middle East. Um, I don't feel privileged to live in Hawaii. I feel privileged to live, period. So I don't take any exceptional pride being from here but i also do appreciate it for for teaching me the things that it has if that makes any sense i think that is a great answer and i definitely think it makes sense that was good look at you fancy (laughs) what's fancy about it i like that answer it's it's very it's very david it's very david strong (laughs) <laughs> okay cool catching on. <laughs> so tell the people where they can find you um you can find me on instagram i'm on there you know all the time in between customers at work it's at david strong des which is spelled d-e-s-u that's japanese you can find me there um also look up at backward shaka we're on instagram you can find us on SoundCloud, Spotify, uh, Apple Music. I don't know if iTunes is going to be around anymore, but we're on all the streaming platforms. No worries there. <laughs> um, <laughs> we don't put out a lot. Well, we do put out a lot, but as far as music, um, we don't put out a whole lot of that. <laughs> so just keep up with us. We'll always have something coming out, whether it's a weird post or maybe a song. <laughs> They're an experience. They're an experience. So go and enjoy. Well, in closing, is there besides your plugs, besides you know, checking out the latest new single, is there any closing thought or cause that you would like to talk about or promote? Um, I mean, not not particularly. I mean, you were asking me about. Um like my upbringing and what it's like to live here. And obviously this, this um, podcast is about paradise, right? So kind of like that, um, I guess, I mean, <laughs> one thing that I'm just dying to talk with you about, maybe we can after the podcast, is my trip to Sydney, Australia, which I took uh, two weeks ago. And that experience, just being out of the country for the first time, like people talk about it all the time, but it really does open up your eyes to like different cultures and and kind of forces you to compare where you're from to the new place that you're in right now and 
honestly, you've heard it a billion times, but go travel, go somewhere else, go somewhere you haven't been before. And it really does kind of open up, open up your worldview. And it kind of makes it impossible to be biased against anybody, you know? Wow. That's great. I am a, I am a fan of traveling and for that reason in particular, like when I went to Japan and when I went to China, it's just like the rhythm there is so different. Everything is so different. And it, and it, it really puts into perspective, I like, wow, there are things happening all over the world right now that are so different than my experience. And it does help you, I think, be more accepting. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages and everyone in between, this has been Paradise Privilege, hosted by me, Amber Tiana 808, and today's special guest has been David Strong. David, thank you so much for taking the time to be a part of the show today. Yeah, no problem.